This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Pretty much locked in, which we are, that's true. But we're not quite there yet. So I think that, uh, you know, we need to continue to grow uh, as a team, continue to mature as a team, continue to, to grow in our game and mature in our game. I think that in the past two games you saw a really good product put out there for sure. And, you know, we got to continue to do that consistently now. I mean, uh, you know, like everyone in this organization knows, you know, what matters is, is what happens come, you know, what, second week of April, third week of April, whatever that is. And right now it's just building that consistency into that, to the start of the playoffs. So it's one of those things that is easier, easier said than done, but I think we've taken really good steps through the past couple of games after some doldrums in the middle of the season there. Uh, and I've got to continue to continue to grow and continue to improve come towards the playoffs. So. Yeah, I agree with all of that. That was Ian Cole. Yeah, he has a future in broadcasting if he wants it, mm-hmm. I think. He's very analytical, yeah, breaks it all down. very well spoken. Notre Dame guy. What's that mean about people from Notre Dame? Well, it's a good, great school. Are they all well spoken? I don't know. I don't know my that co- many my people cousin from Notre Dame. There. It's appropriate we have Paul Kennedy joining us for the show, and he's actually in oh, studio with us. Took a right turn. Oh, I know he can. <laughs> he could probably fill an hour talking about the academic accomplishments yes. of Notre Dame graduates. Greg, you hear that's coming from a Yale alumnus. Uh, Boy, I, I feel Mr. small Michigan. in this conversation. I went to lonely Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, I yeah. love that. You and I have run past Duquesne. I went to the Harvard of Blacksburg. Virginia Tech. Ooh. Yeah. Hokey. That's correct. Thank you. Blacksburg, like the origin of that town name, that sounds very like blue collar, mm-hmm. hard working, hard scrabble, and they plopped a technical university. Land Grant University there. in a beautiful rolling base of a mountain range. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, the Shenandoahs. Uh, they do have something called winter up there. Yeah, oh, sure. Which uh, starts, I think, the 1st of August. They have that and in South Bend as well. 1st of July. But to that point, it is spectacular in autumn and in the spring. Like probably Yale, like Duquesne, Greg. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Ian Cole is a uh, very well-spoken person and gives great insight. insight. In just a short period of time that we've had him here with the Lightning. Absolutely. Any original, you know, he thinks Stephen Stamkos, the, a similar yeah. quality, that he is not loaded with a cliche fixed response, that he that he pauses and, and reflects and then answers. He used the word doldrums in that clip. Did you catch that? Really? Yeah. You, Greg, you get bonus points for that, don't you? Uh, for, <laughs> I think uh, so. Yeah. For the, uh, well, that's a good way to put it because the Lightning, I think, were kind of in the doldrums and maybe they've shaken off some of the cobwebs in these last two games. They, they have an advantage tonight, Greg and Paul. Paul, certainly you know this because you were here to see that the Capitals are not here. Capitals are not here at the skate. They're at their hotel because they had to play a home game yesterday, last night at 7.30, and it went to a shootout. Yeah, for TNT, it started at 7.30. So, and you go through overtime, you go to a shootout against a foe and the New York Islanders that wants to win that game. So yeah. it's going to be intense. And then in D.C., as you know, you must do to hide abatement, noise abatement. You cannot fly out of the district after 10 o'clock. So they had to bus to Dulles. Or drive themselves. But or yes. drive themselves. Or walk, if you can walk fast enough. But it's a, a good hour. 
to uh, to do that. And so they didn't depart until after midnight. I have an app on my phone. So I chart, you know, where teams are going. You see what time mm-hmm. they get in. Are you stalking the Capitals plane? I sure am. Yeah, where's Ovi? Uh, <laughs> 207. They left wheels up. 207. You've been on how many of those flights have you been on in your life? 1207. It had to be. 1207. They landed at 207. Okay. So. Yeah, it's not a long flight, which is why I think the league sometimes gives – Washington and Tampa back to backs, like it could be the Capitals, it could be the Lightning, or it could be an opponent playing both teams mm-hmm. on consecutive nights. But it is not an easy back to back, which is my way of saying the Lightning do have a circumstantial advantage heading to this game. Now they have to consolidate that advantage and and really make the Capitals not want to play. Get them down early if you can, and they're coming right back home. They're going right back home after this game. This is a one off for them, rather than the typical. A two-step with the Florida yeah. Florida Panthers. So this so. is not an easy scheduling quirk for the Capitals, whose playoff hopes are are dimming here. Correct. So they would they would have to leap four other teams, including Pittsburgh, and uh, the Florida Panthers, who had a dramatic win last night, mm-hmm. to to be able to do this. And everybody has what typically eight games to go, four and four. So here we are. We have seven. Seven to play. Yep. And Stamkos needs three for a thousand. Did you just jinx it? I mean, seriously, did you just say that? Did I? Did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not pitching a no hitter. Kalorn two yes. to eight hundred. Yes. Isn't that one? You know, Alex Kalorn's career. When you sit back and look, Stammer's at nine ninety six. So. Yeah, he needs three, seven, eight. No, he needs four. Yeah. Four, but Kalorn's career. In the great scheme of things, although he plays in the same era as his captain and uh, Cooch and others, um, a magnificent career against the history, the 30-year history of this franchise. What is he, fifth in career scoring, Mm -hmm. fifth in games played? And I saw a nugget yesterday, not to take this, make a hard left-hand turn again, but he has played in, I want to say, 607 of the last 611 games for Tampa Bay, he's there every night. Yeah. If feeling less than 100%, he answers the bell every night. You know, we have spent some time this year on the show talking about Ovechkin, even when the Lightning haven't been playing the Capitals because he's having another terrific offensive year. He he has 42 goals. The next closest guy in terms of goals on their team I believe is Oshi with 19. So he has more than twice as many goals than the next closest guy on Washington, which is really pretty remarkable. And, I'm and shaking that, my head. I, Ovechkin, ama- Ovechkin is remarkable. Like He is just a, a freak of nature in a way. But the thing that we've talked about, Paul, is kind of what you were just saying about Kalorn, which is Ovechkin is, is getting closer to the Gretzky record. Of goals. Is it 8-12 now? I think that's right. Let me... 8-22. 822. Yeah, and, and Gretz finished with 894. So he's 72 away from tying 73 away from... 822. From eclipsing it. But, like, how has he been able to get to that number in addition to his immense talent? Durability. I mean, he basically has played just about every game for Washington since he came into the league. He did miss a little bit of time this year... When his father passed away and he went back to Russia. But even with that, he's played 69 
of their 75 games this year. He's only missed six, and, and most of those were during that time that he went back to Russia. We took our microphone today for Ballet Sports and went around the room and just said, I say, Alexander Ovechkin, what comes immediately to mind? And almost to a man, the first thing they said after greatest goal scorer ever was how physical he plays. Yeah. And Victor Hedman said, and don't upset him because he plays better, even better when he's angry. Yeah. But they all spoke to how physical, uh, Stamkos called it a heavy game. Um, that, that he can go into any area. And, and, and that makes his durability that's, even that's more remarkable. magnifies yeah. what he's achieved here because he's not injured, nor does he um, beg off you know, for, um, what do we call that, maintenance issues. Right. He plays. May not make every morning skate. And he stands at his locker when you come with a microphone to talk to him. Even when he was a youngster coming into this league and he did not speak fluent English, he would stand there and try and answer your questions. He's a larger-than-life figure, and he's here tonight. I never take evenings like this, do you, for granted. Mm -hmm. Greg, when you have someone of this stature come in in any sport, who would he be in other sports? But when you have uh, someone of his magnitude come in, these are always uh, nights that make it special. I, I think I, I dropped there for a second, but it's interesting you bring up that point because Dave and I have talked about this throughout the last couple of years, but you've covered basketball, a bunch of other sports. What I always find fascinating about Ovechkin, there are only a handful of athletes that I can remember in different sports, not necessarily hockey, in different sports where you know the move is coming and you still can't do anything about it. So, yeah. Kareem's hook, Jordan's fadeaway. Allen Iverson into the paint of the line. Yeah. Nothing you can do. Th- pick and roll with. Right. Mariano Rivera's maybe cutter, although, you know, Luis Gonzalez had something to say about that in the, uh, the World Series. But it, for the most part, it was a yeah. dominant pitch. Yeah, you could probably throw Barry Bonds. You know what that guy was going to do, and he was going to get it all done. So. Nolan Ryan hit this. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes to the Lombardi theory, which is this is what we're going to do. Stop stop us. Stop me. Can you be as excellent as we can be at, at a particular? That was more of a team No, but, but you're idea, absolutely but... right. And, and you can't. And you haven't been able to do it for 822 goals. And, and now he's, as you said, within 80 of um, Gordie Howe. Or Gretzky. Gretzky. He passed Gretzky. Yeah, sorry, excuse me. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I know, Greg, we talked about this earlier this year, about the Washington power play. Ovechkin has never met a shot that he didn't like, and he's usually leading the league in shots. And I know that at the Hall of Fame dinner, Phil's affinity for taking shots was referenced. And Ovechkin came close once early in his career to – to getting to Phil's record of shots in a season, which was 550 for Phil. I think Ovi was in the 500s, low 500s. He hasn't gotten to 550, but he's usually up there in shots. So he is looking to shoot on the power play. There is no question. But I think Ovechkin would even acknowledge that the players who have played with him on the power play 
have helped him get all of these goals. Backstrom, and it's something you're saying? Or? Backstrom has been a big part of it, but you know what has really helped him is that the two main defensemen, they've, they've generally had a power play with four forwards and one defenseman. The two main defensemen during Ovechkin's career, and really it's been two that have played on that top unit, Mike Green and Carlson. then John Carlson, yeah. were both righties. And a righty at that center point area who can shoot, both those guys could shoot, could sell the shot and, and pass to Ovechkin. That's a good point. And I wonder how many fewer goals he might have had had it been something as simple as a lefty been at that spot. Because a lefty, we see this with Hedman to stamp ghosts. The lefty has to telegraph the pass a little bit more, and the penalty killers can react. Now, there are plenty of shots that Ovechkin has taken on the power play that have not gone in the net. I mean, sometimes the goalie makes a save, sometimes he misses the net. But he scores a lot, and I think that he has been helped by the fact that the power play has been like a finely tuned engine, and the way they have set it up has allowed him to get a lot of those looks, which then he has done the rest. Absolutely. Well, well, look, he has a 42-goal season with Carlson missing half the year. That is true. So this year... And and he's done a fair amount of damage on the power play. I think he has fourteen power play goals. That was just looking to see. Although what a his lot of those did come earlier in the year when Carlson was healthy, but that is true. So for a while they had Gustafson, who has since moved on. He's playing in Toronto now. That was part of the Rasmus Sandin trade. But now Carlson is back. So these last back handful of three games, games. This will be his fourth game back yeah. tonight. On a back-to-back, and uh, he says still by his own admission, and we would find this understandable, he has uh, not been the same. I'm just looking. uh, Ovi had in Pittsburgh two games ago, power play goal, without. And that would have been with Carlson. Had a pair against the Minnesota Wild. I'm just scanning the sheet here. One in L.A., but it's every other night. And uh, he is still Alexander Ovechkin. And he skates with Dylan Strom and Tom Wilson, who had a birthday yesterday and yeah. could have won that game last night in overtime, rang it off the post on short side. Yeah, you look at the standings. The Capitals are within striking distance points-wise. The problem, as you alluded to, Paul, is they have so many teams between them and Pittsburgh, and they are they are on the wrong side of the games played metric. They only have seven games left. So we'll see. Players see, never I'm, give I'm up. I'm looking though. at it right here. They they would have to jump Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh holding that second position. And that's why that second point for the Islanders. They got one last night, but that second point for the Islanders, once again, was uh, quite important. And what complicates them. things, and I just looked this up earlier today, Florida and Buffalo have one game against each other, and Florida and Ottawa have two games against each other. So that means from the Washington perspective, in some of those games – at least one of those teams is getting two points. That's what makes it hard to leapfrog teams. When the teams ahead of you are playing each other, right. you're not getting a night where everybody's losing and you can make up ground. Right. I'm just looking at the uh, schedule of the uh, remaining contending teams. If you draw the line at Washington, uh, Washington, Ottawa, and Buffalo all at 77 points, just their comparable schedules. And what have you? You could dissect this, but I think I've I've even found two 
that it's unpredictable now heading down the home stretch um, what a guaranteed win is when you look and say, oh, they ought to beat Columbus. Yeah, Pittsburgh found that out against yeah. Detroit the other day. Absolutely. Look at yeah. that. Uh, and that's without Dylan Larkin scoring. Well, he and Florida lost a game in Ottawa, which, I mean, look, Ottawa's there too, but he that was a game they needed, they needed to have. And, and then they what, go and what if beat Buffalo Toronto? has a good night? Look offensively, the way that Don Granado has turned them loose mm-hmm. uh, offensively. You just, this league, and that's what makes this league so particularly fascinating to me that on, it sounds like the old Pete Rozelle NFL, on any given night, something can happen. And we're seeing that in both on the eastern and western halves of the National Hockey League. And the incentive, too, from teams outside the, the postseason to just spill someone's apple cart. And uh, they come in motivated. What do you make of the Lightning before we let you go, Paul? And Mish may have another question or so. But I'm curious just how you view this Lightning team, understanding what they've accomplished the last three years and maybe the ups and downs we've seen the last month or so. Is it a team who's just pacing themselves for the playoffs? No, or do you I think, think they'll be fine. Issues? I think they're... I don't think there are bigger issues. I, you have uh, a coach that if he never coaches another game in this league is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You can say that with confidence. What he has done here over a decade. Do you know that the Orlando Magic and the NBA, I looked this up last night, have had seven head coaches in the time John Cooper has been the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Leave you with that thought. For yeah. a minute about stable organizations, those built for true championship competition and to sustain excellence. And then you look at this legacy of Hall of Fame players that are in that room right now. This is a team of enormous pride, admired around the league, and now they are set up. They have to go into Toronto and win on the road. You need to win one game to flip the series. Uh, I think this team is fine. Dave uses the word doldrums. Who has accomplished more in the history of the league almost than Tampa Bay has in the last decade? It's it's incredible. So I'm I'm still very opti- bullish, as they'd say on Wall Street. Check the market, Dave. I'm still very bullish uh, on this team. And sometimes we get too close to the forest to see the trees, but I think that they can be... Um, Right there at the end when the tournament begins, uh, are you confident in Toronto? Uh, New Jersey and the New York Rangers are going to have to play each other. Boston? Well, they can hang with Boston if they play the way they did the other night. Um, Carolina? They could be competitive with Carolina. So here you have an opportunity to be playing in May. And that's how they're built. But you'll need people like Ian Cole, who you just had that long uh, observation on. He's going to need to play. You're going to need to get uh, Nick Paul going here offensively. There's some some players and component parts that that can improve, but you've got the big cat on the back end. And so I'm I'm really fired up about this. And I'm excited that we're are we two weeks away now, right? I go kind of game by game do <laughs> we you? have a trip next week we i know a... that i guess it is two weeks right right two weeks from today is the final game of the regular and if season we're, and if we're i was chatting with the 
Dave Anderchuk about this in projecting if we played Toronto and how you'd back up where, where, where would they want a hockey night in Canada would want them on a Saturday night us and them so we'd play on that Saturday so you back I, it up. I don't think the playoffs are starting until the 17th though Monday that would be that would be Monday so we would play Dave said okay then we'll play Tuesday Thursday Saturday yeah. to get Toronto on a hockey night in Canada that That's was his speculation I'm, yeah. I'm not talking I uh, hope out of out of pocket here, but uh, and they are probably probably going to be the only Canadian-based team making the playoffs from the east. From the where east, where they would want on a Saturday night, maybe a, a game in the east and a game in the west. We'll see. I do have one last thing before we let you go, and that is about Lightning Lore, which we have been promoting here on Lightning Radio, and fans can can follow through the Lightning app. Watch it on the team's YouTube channel. You had a chance to sit down with Phil Esposito and Henry Paul to go over the early days of the Lightning. I believe they've cut it up into parts, and, and the first two parts have been released. I'm just wondering, because you were here for a lot of that, was there anything in those conversations that you learned for the first time that you didn't know or didn't remember? Well, just the perspective of time in 30 years, that it all happened on a butterfly's wing, on a wisp that it was so close to not happening. And yet here we are 30 years later having created this phenomenal organization. But with Phil and his vision, the strength of his personality, the wisdom of Henry Paul, who uh, whose family was a legacy in sports management, Gabe Paul, his dad, and how they were able to uh, convince the league that this would work. And Phil bringing in teams on barnstorming nights to, to show crowds and attendance, um, that how he did that almost out of his own pocket to make it happen. Um, and to your question, what I realize now is it, how ephemeral it was and perhaps nearly didn't happen. And uh, it's, it's to one man, and that's Phil Esposito and the power of that and Tony who came in and, and others... Uh, uh, that that amazes me. And to sit down and talk about them now, I didn't realize to the extent, and I was around them then, how much Henry Paul meant to the to the organization and in the back the back hall dealings with the league, and then separating friend from foe, the people that told you one thing but were conniving against you, and that took place in large measure because they were rivalry groups for a franchise, which at the time could be purchased for fifty million dollars. If you had the money, and now is worth what? Ten times that amount, or right? more? You know, well, the, worth yes, but now the today? fee is five hundred million, right? For right. Seattle, well, six hundred for Vegas. Seattle. But if you sell, oh, what do they say? Seattle. What was I reading? And I think it was Elliot Friedman that said that um, Ottawa is going to go for close to a billion dollars when mm-hmm. it sold the Melnick family. So, but it was just just the the, the blessing of my life to be around. Um, Phil Esposito, this is a man whose picture I had in color torn from Sports Illustrated in my locker in high school of him skating for the Boston Bruins and what he was, the first 100-point season, the first to 700, number seven in Phil Esposito. And to see him now every day, it's uh, a real thrill. And to sit down and, and talk about the glory years and to be a part of that Hall of Fame, yeah. right, just to be there. You know, Phil has said, and he said it during his speech at the Hall of Fame night, you know, God gave me the talent to play, but 
in some ways, this is my proudest accomplishment, the Lightning, because God didn't give me the talent to to do this. To do this, but you could say that he was blessed with the talent of charisma. Oh my goodness! You see it every night that you broadcast get games together, right? Yeah. So you that know, does jive a little bit with what it took. By hook or by crook. And John Ziegler recognizing this and the other owners recognizing this. And you know who has? Who did? Phil Esposito's, um, the, the sparkle uh, about him, uh, Jeff Fennick, when he brought him back and Steve Griggs in a big way into this organization and said, do you know who this is? We built statues mm-hmm. to people like this. The transformative nature of Jeff Fennick and what he did with Phil. And it, and it was part of the blossoming, the the resurrection of this franchise, was that. And Phil was a part of that too. Is he on the air with you tonight? Last time I checked. Uh, <laughs> you know what I love? He gets when to you're travel. Introducing the officials. Well, he gets to oh, travel in the playoffs, fun. so that'll be fun. I shouldn't say he gets to travel in the playoffs. He begrudgingly comes on the road in the playoffs. It is unfiltered, boy. Your broadcasts with him are spectacular. You know how much downtime we have on the road often. You know, there's time to kill, and sometimes there's more time to kill at the arena than you would like, and that is not that does not jive with how Phil wants to spend his time. So when he is not on his own schedule, and when you're on the road with a team, often you're not on your own schedule. You're kind of beholden to the schedule that – the bus is leaving now, and he is not a fan of that. He would he would drop into the booth if he could, probably five minutes before warm-ups. Oh, it's all right. I know it's all right. It's all right. You know, I we should... found out in Denver. I don't know if you heard the story, Greg, but so game one. Is this the, we, the bike? Yeah. <laughs> so you did hear <laughs> The bike? There's a story so, coming wait, wait, wait. the bike? Yeah, so we this were staying in downtown Denver, but it was, it was a fair walk from – Ball Arena, where the Avalanche play. So for Game One, a group of us walked down together. From the the hotel, yeah, there was. I I think is that when it's by the stadium? Is it by the stadium, the football stadium? It's not by the. Well, I don't know where the football stadium is, but it's fairly close to the baseball stadium. Yeah. Okay. It's done. It was probably a twenty to twenty-five minute walk, maybe a little bit more than that. This is not going to go well. And so we walked down there, and there were a group of us. We walked down there, but we got down there. In his mind, way too early. Like, it was just way oh. too much time to wait. He, he did not raise an issue with the distance that he had to walk outside? There was a little bit of that. But it was also like he said, we can't be leaving this early after that. And then I, I think we walked back after after the game and because he didn't want to wait for the bus because the bus is going to be later. So he liked leaving right away, but it was a bit of a distance to get back to the hotel, and it was more of an incline. It was a decline going down. So for game two... <laughs> He calls my room. He said, I got us a pedicab. <laughs> I'm like, a pedicab? He's like, yeah, this guy. I got you a pedicab. I got he, you a pedicab. He's going to bicycle us down to the arena. I had him come whatever time. The game was at 6, right, because it was an 8 o'clock Eastern. You, you he's like, an, he's meeting us. Uber app for a pedicab? He's like, I met this guy. He's picking us up at the hotel at like 5 p.m. So the game is at 6. So warm-ups are at like 5.30. <laughs> like, is that enough time? He's like, yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. So we, we go down. We get in this pedicab. This There's guy, a guy on a bike. Pedals us. And this is what you he does like for, his, for a living. Yeah. You look like you're in Shanghai. Great shape, of course. You know, you got to have the, it's Dave Michigan the conditioning in Denver. In a pedicab. 
So the weight of the arena is mostly downhill. What what month is this, by the way? It was June, right? Oh, okay. Or it was early July? It was the Stanley Cup final. So he drops us off, and Phil says, meet us here after the game. <laughs> He's like, I want you to take us back to the hotel. He's like, I can listen to the game. I'll know when it's over. He's like, give us 10 minutes. Meet us in this spot right after the game. Gotcha. So game two ends, and we were spending the night regardless. Game two ends, and that was what? Eight nothing Colorado, like that was the blowout. We hightailed it out of there. The guy was meeting us at our corner, and then he rode uphill back to the hotel. So Phil got the guy's name and number. When we came back for the fifth game, he's like he contracted that guy to do the same thing. So we basically got to the arena. <laughs> he's got literally like five minutes before warmups, and it feels like this is perfect. You know, perfect. And then after the game, we just. Took the Are elevator you downstairs. With that? Are you you can't be comfortable with that. You I was I was fine. Like I mean oh, you're being it's nice. the same team, you know. We had been there for game one. I knew it was pretty Kale clear McCarr who was playing. And then dropped the puck. Yeah. Basically. So I was fine with it, but that is Phil's MO, which is not <laughs> always the case. I don't know that we're gonna find a pedicab in all these cities, but Toronto's close enough that you can walk. I would So he's down. With I would that. love to have a snapshot of that. That would be just a beautiful picture. Where he, Dave, where did he find the, the guy? Was well, it just somebody he met on the street? Or? It's not like they don't. They're out there. Like, they yeah. are they are transporting people around downtown Denver. Right. And I don't know. I, tonight, we'll have to ask him, like, how did you find that guy? I forget the guy's name. But he was the same guy. He did four trips, down and back for game two, down and back for game five. And then he was ready to take us. Said they're going to game Lance seven. Lance Armstrong riding you to back and This forth. guy was in unreal shape yeah, because oh, he's yeah. pedaling – the bike, the cab, and us. Yeah. Yeah. And between the two of you, 711 goals. Uphill. Yeah. I mean, Denver, <laughs> downtown Denver is more, it's not like we're talking about the the road to Mount Royal in Montreal, which right. is we're a very straight steep up. Right. But it was uphill back to the hotel, and he was just like, yeah, I'm good. He would stand up, you know, to pedal. A lot of traffic, work. a lot of people. He navigated Wait, his way right through so it. There are car- you're on the street. Oh, yeah. Like a- so there's cars, you know, and you, when you come up with a bike and you go, oh, my gosh, i got to go around him. And you go like that. And they have no idea that that's Phil Esposito. No. In that pedicab. And I'm in my Escalade trying to get around him. Unbelievable. Yeah. So Phil scenes from, scenes from the 2022 Stanley Cup final pregame post. <laughs> that sounds like the. The bike is the title of a book. I just, I'm not a, not a book, a chapter in the book. The bike. So, we can end there. Okay. You spent half an hour with us, Paul. Thank you. I, I promised you it would only be like 15 gifts? minutes. Any parting <laughs> gifts? I'll receive Maybe a, a... a bike ride with Mish and, <laughs> yeah. and Espo. I don't know if you could fit three in those pedicabs, but I can only imagine fitting two. Okay. It's great visiting with you, Gregor. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Yeah, buddy. Great seeing you, bud. Yeah, man. Yep, we'll see you soon. We'll see you tonight. Unlike some sure. of our guests, Paul knows his way out of here. Some people he come does. in here and they're like, "Where am I?" I'm like, "You're stuck in Amelie <laughs> Arena until game time." <laughs> I love. Fortunately, you, you know your way around. I'll see you later. Yeah, we'll Bye. see you tonight. Always fun to catch up with Paul Kennedy. Yeah, one of uh. Well, we hadn't had a local. Guys. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Brian just joined us, but in yeah. terms of in studio, and I knew that. You did a lot of heavy lifting yesterday because I had to leave after half an hour, but we needed another voice. I thought it would be good because we have a game tonight, but we didn't really have an interview set up. I know John Walton is not on this trip. He's doing the game from Washington. 
but I mean, things are kind of bleak for the Capitals right now. Yeah. And they got in late last night, so I'm like, who can we get from the Lightning? I saw Paul this morning. I'm like, hey, you want to come come by the studio? He's like, absolutely. And he was able to get here right at noon because the Capitals sure were not skating. You know, you have brought up that that travel scenario at times. You know, when the Lightning have to make that trip or. That's Just, a brutal back-to-back. It's yeah, it's one I of mean, the worst back-to-backs, and sometimes it's Washington Sunrise, too, or the mm-hmm. other way around. It's not maybe quite as bad as where you're losing an hour. Like, if yeah. you're going west to east, like the Lightning had that Vancouver-Edmonton back-to-back that was really tough. Sure. But this one is not an easy one. Because I think the league might be, I mean, maybe they, they don't care, but they're like, yeah, it's a two-hour flight. Yeah, it's a two-hour flight, but... Here, the airport is close to the hotel and the rink, but in Washington, as Paul mentioned, it's yeah. not. I'm always fascinated, partner. You've been around longer than I have and more in tune with the travel arrangements. I'm just I'm fascinated how they, they make the schedule <laughs> in general. Not an just easy job. To, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. And I'm sure they have a way they've made it easier but that that has to be one of the more difficult jobs because you're juggling every team's schedule, arena, yes. concerts. Well, I think what makes some of it not easier, maybe it does make it easier, the recurring events, like the annual events in arenas, tend to be around the same time, meaning that the team is going to be away around the same time each year. Yeah. And you can kind of schedule... Accordingly, for example, we see Montreal here very regularly right after Christmas because the Bell Center is in use in late December, early January. The Canadians are always on the road then. And so that's when they schedule the Florida trip. Mm -hmm. So that part of it is is almost locked in, but so much of it isn't, right? Yeah. It's a good point. And the thing about it is bringing it back to this game tonight, you don't like to use travel as an excuse, but I think you're right when you, you brought that up originally with Paul that if you believe there is an advantage tonight before the puck drops, maybe the Lightning do have a little bit of an edge. And, you know, especially yeah. coming off the game against Carolina. Look, the games I always felt like, Dave, with with Washington were always pretty competitive, and there was all, it was pretty easy to get up for games like that. Now, I know Washington's not the same team that faced Tampa Bay a couple of years back when they won in in seven. But there are some of uh, the same guys on that team. And I think anytime you're going against Ovechkin, Tom Wilson, I think, is back and mm-hmm. doing what he's doing. I mean, off. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got some guys who can hurt you. Now, as I said, I, I, I've compared them a little bit to Pittsburgh. They've been on top for so long and... They aren't who they used to be, but they have enough talent there to make things interesting. And it it shouldn't, let's put it this way, it shouldn't be a difficult game for the Lightning to get going. Well, where the scheduling circumstance can be an advantage is if you get them down early. You make them try and push like that, pedicab <laughs> cyclist uphill and and sometimes the will is a little less strong if you've had brutal travel it's just the reality of the situation but if they grab an early lead 
yeah. then it's like pedaling downhill a little bit and and the game becomes a little easier to manage. So the Lightning have to make it difficult on Washington tonight, but there are no guarantees. The Lightning had and I'll use the past tense, they have one left and and by comparison it's not as brutal a back-to-back as as some of the others they've had. Right. Rangers Islanders. So I mean that's not even getting on an airplane. They're going to take a bus after the game against the Rangers next week and head out to to Long Island and then have the game the next night. But you look at the Lightning's record in the second half of back-to-backs this year, it's not very good. Last year it was outstanding. But they have not been able to overcome the circumstantial disadvantage when they have been the team playing the second half of a back-to-back too often this year. So the opponent has taken advantage. And in most of these games, the opponent yeah. didn't play the night before. Sometimes the opponent did. Right. But but more often than not, the Lightning are the team traveling and the opponent is, you know, well-rested or rested. That's going to be the case next week. The Islanders do not play the night before. In fact, they play the Lightning on Saturday here. They play Carolina Sunday. Then they do not play again until the Lightning come to their place on Thursday. So they will be extremely well-rested. Now, the Lightning also get the similar gap off because they play the Islanders Saturday, and then they have Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday before they play the Rangers on Wednesday, but they will have played the night before. So, look, it, it you you giveth and you taketh, right? <laughs> like you have both, and how you do in these difficult scheduling circumstances can have a, a it can play a factor and play a role in whether you make the playoffs. Now, the Lightning have had a bad record in the second half of back-to-backs this year, but they're four points away from clinching a playoff spot. So right. it has not derailed them. But tonight, they have a chance to take advantage of the advantage, and we'll see if they're able to do it. It's interesting, this question from Jim. He says, how does the league determine who plays in what division? Well, they, they did the divisional format when they changed things heading into the 2013-14 regular season, and they've they've been kept the same except when they added the teams in the West. So when Vegas came in and then Seattle as well, they had to yeah. move a team out of the Pacific into the Central, and that team was Arizona. But that has been the only team that has switched divisions. There was a little bit of grumbling in some quarters when the divisional format came out because the Lightning and Panthers were put in a division with teams that are all north of where the Metro division teams I think that's were. a good question. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, is there is there something easier that could have been done travel-wise with teams like Tampa Bay and Florida? I think the league, yeah, I think the league decided that they wanted those Metro teams, which makes sense. I mean, the Metro teams should they should be in the same division because they're all close to each other, right? The three New York teams, the two Pennsylvania teams, Washington is right there, and Carolina is right on the cusp. Carolina could be in a division with with the Lightning and Panthers, yeah. but the way once you committed to have those other teams in the same division with Columbus, which is farther to the east than Detroit, right? Detroit is a little farther to the west. They kind of piecemeal the other eastern division with the Canadian teams, the the New Englandish teams, 
New England-ish. I'm saying like Boston and Buffalo, which is in New England, but it's north of the Metro teams. Detroit, and then they threw in the Florida teams. So geographically, it doesn't make a lot of sense, the Atlantic division, but I think it came about because once they did the Metro division, they had to figure out the rest. The, the division that would make the most sense for the Lightning probably was the division that they put together in the 56-game season. Right. Detroit was in there, but yeah. you had Nashville, you had Dallas, right? That made sense. You had Carolina, you had the Lightning, you had Florida. Right. Detroit and Columbus were in there. And what was the other team? Chicago. So, I mean, three of the teams probably wouldn't have been, but that's the problem. Like, yeah, right, right. geographically, the Lightning and Panthers are are kind of separate from a lot of the other teams that are closer together. But that's how they put it together coming out of the 12-13 partial season, which is how Detroit ended up going from the west to the east. That was another consideration, which makes sense. Columbus, too. If you can believe it, Greg, Detroit and Columbus were in the Western Conference. They play in the Eastern time zone. Yeah. So, I mean, just think about it from a television standpoint. Most of their games were within their conference. And when they went on the road, you know, if they went to California, which we have here, but, I mean, they were going more regularly. You know, those games local time were on at 10 o'clock at night or 1030. Yeah. So they wanted to get Columbus and Detroit back to the east or into the east. And that was that was one reason why they once they made that decision, then they had to figure out how to work the divisions. It's all fascinating how they put everything together and people have make grumbled it work. about the playoff format too. I know I've heard a little bit about that. I heard Bobby Fenton actually talking about that with Chief during the pregame skate show when Eric was out of town and Bobby filled in. And that was something else that, that they put in place starting with the 13-14 season where you played within your division in that two played three, and the first place team played one of the wild card teams. That's when that came in, as opposed to just division winners get the top seeds and then the rest are just by conference. So basically you have one through eight, which we do not have yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't... I, I, I really don't mind that type of format. The know? divisional or the one well, through eight? Yeah, one through eight. I, That's the way it used to be. Yeah. I feel like most sports were like that, right? And then we, we kind of changed things with wild cards. and. Well, they went from three divisions in each conference to two divisions in each conference. Right. So it used to be the three division winners got seeds one, two, and three. And then four through eight were seeded just by points, yeah. regardless of division. Right. And one played eight, two played seven, three played six, four played five. Sometimes your third seed, though, the the division winner that was the weakest division winner based on points, actually had fewer points than some of the teams that were behind them seeding-wise. And so that was a little bit of an issue in some years with that format. But then they switched to two divisions, and they put more teams in each division. Yeah. Which is how we have it now. And they went to the divisional format to build up. The idea was to build up rivalries, which I think it's done that on some level. But once you factor in the wild card, you know, we've seen enough instances, Greg, where the wild card went into a division that was not its division. I mean, Columbus did it in 2019. Yeah, right, right. 
There was one year that the the Islanders, you're the Islanders beat the Panthers in round one, then the Lightning beat the Islanders in the second round. That was a year the Islanders moved to the Atlantic Division based on the wild card seeding. And if if it's going to be this year where two Metro teams are the two wild card teams, if Florida doesn't get in or Ottawa, then we're going to see another crossover. We will. I like the I like the idea of the wild card though because basically yeah. what the wild card is saying is the people who like the one through eight should like the wild card because it's basically saying after the three top teams in each division then we're just going on points. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's fine. I, the rivalry thing. What's funny is like if you're Toronto, you're seeing the Lightning again. You're thinking, geez. Yeah. It's arguably the best team in the league. They they're not in first because things have just played out that way, and we end up getting them. We feel like we've got a really good team, and we can't we can't move past the first round. We'll see how that that plays out. Tonight. Well, look, if we were to go one through eight, I just did it by conference standings, and again, we still have a couple of weeks left. But if we went that way, Toronto would be the fourth seed, so they play the fifth seed, which is the Rangers, and they're actually tied in points. So they theoretically could drop to fifth and not have home ice. The Lightning are sixth. So if they went one through eight, the Lightning would see the Devils in the first round. Mm. So you can make the argument based on points, the Leafs would have, if we're just going on points, a tougher first-round matchup in the one through eight than in the divisional. Now, the reality is that the Lightning have the pedigree the Rangers do not, even though the Rangers had a very good year yeah. last year in the playoffs. But still, to your point, the Leafs are like, really? We're having to deal with the Lightning again? Yeah. I mean, you definitely have got to earn it in the first round. And yeah. it is, I, I still find it, and we'll touch on the game here in a little bit, and we've got uh, about 10 minutes left in the show. I want to get some tweets. It is weird, partner, because it, it, it feels like, you know, I know you don't like to look ahead, but it, it feels like this matchup between Tampa Bay and Toronto has been set for a little bit. And you can't not just sit here and and look at that matchup understanding you still have a few games left in the regular season. I find that to be an interesting mental struggle. Uh, Not necessarily for us, although it's – I think it's interesting. I think for the players too because Mm -hmm. last year basically the top eight teams were settled by what? January, February? Yeah. So you kind of knew what was going to happen. I think this year the Lightning, on a smaller scale, have known they're going to be playing Maple Leafs for a while. Yeah, and if we believe, I, I mean, I shouldn't even say if we believe. I think it's it's true. You may not like the excuse, and you might yeah. say we shouldn't be looking to use this as an excuse, but the reality is that physical and mental fatigue affected the Lightning's game. They had the 19 right. games in 33 days, and I think mentally – they were not as sharp as they needed to be, so their standard of play dropped. Is some of that also due to the fact that... So that had to do with the frequency of the games. But it actually even predated the 33 days because they've, yep. been, they've been more wobbly since the All-Star break, if we're being perfectly honest. But some of that may be tied to the fact that they essentially knew where they were going to finish. Had the Panthers been a little closer to them, maybe? Or let's say two teams in the Atlantic had been closer to the Lightning, so maybe there was a little unease about, oh, we may tumble out of the top eight. Yeah. 
it might have gotten their attention a little bit more. But I think you'd much rather be in the position that they are in, which is trying to figure out how to stay mentally sharp, but being in a much more secure playoff position. Want to take some questions? Yeah. Real quick. Let's do it. Sign off here. And um, Gilly Garou. <laughs> I like that name. Have you seen the Maple Leafs trolls are already highly active on Twitter coming after Chris Krenn? Is there a more annoyingly delusional <laughs> fan base in all of sports? First of all, you're coming after Chris Cran. You need to find something else to do with your time. Chris is you- Chris is the most mild person, unworthy of being trolled. Yes. But I think fans who listen to the show at all know that I really don't I don't even really dip my toe in that. You do it a little bit more than me. Have you noticed that? From I quote haven't unquote, noticed that Toronto as much. No. Maple Leaf trolls. No. I have not noticed that. I, I. Um, what did he even say that warranted being trolled? I mean, Dave, it's Toronto. They're. I would agree a little bit with that statement. They're just probably so hungry for a, a playoff win. If you say anything that might seem like you are slighting their team, put the shields up. You know. I don't know what they've said. I, I I I do dip my toe a little bit, but I I don't go I don't go down the rabbit hole a lot of people do when it comes to people going after one another or another team. Yeah, you know it's just you're gonna get that in the playoffs. You just have to brace yourself. Even if you're the most mild mannered person, you could be a lightning broadcaster and say the most mundane thing. And a Leafs fan may come back and say, did you hear what that host said for the Lightning, Lanelli? He <laughs> said the Maple Leafs are 4-12 and when they're trailing by a goal at the end of two periods. Homer. You know, like, all right. <laughs> I have to tell you this story because it just I was just reminded of, of what happened. So when Elliot Friedman has come on with us the last couple of times, he has come yeah. on with us. He has made a point to mention that his buddies in Toronto still hold a grudge against me for something <laughs> that I do. said. They and do. I don't even remember what I said, but Elliot, <laughs> Elliot is convinced that I said it. And this is going okay. back like 15 years? years. Yeah, like late 2000s yeah. where the Lightning won a game that either put the Leafs on the brink, regular season game, put the Leafs yeah. on the brink of being eliminated, or I may have knocked the Leafs out of the playoffs like a late regular season game. Mm-hmm. And... Elliot is saying, yeah, you kick dirt on the the Maple Leafs grave, basically, and they never let you forget it. So not long after that, we were in Toronto this year, the one game the Lightning played, and I think I went to do the show in the arena in a spot where I could put the laptop down. So I was in an area of the concourse. I didn't go up to the press box. I was in an area of the concourse I had not really ever been before. Right. (laughs) On... The um, like the entrance way from the concourse to the seats, there's a wall, and they kind of had a commemoration there of a very famous call by Joe Bowen, mm-hmm. who does their broadcasts and has been their broadcaster for years and years and years. And it was a game. It may have been from that very same season, 0607, if that was the year that Ellie is referring, relating to my call. This call happened in the 0607 season. 
Toronto had a home game against Montreal. Montreal had a big lead, and Toronto rallied to win the game. And apparently that knocked Montreal out of the playoffs. And they commemorated his call in quotes on the side of this wall saying basically, Montreal is finished, you know. Incredible. When the Leafs won the game in overtime. So I snapped a picture of it and sent it to Elliot. I'm like, what does your buddy say about this, huh? I have a feeling this was That's way great. less mild than whatever <laughs> I said, although who knows if mine was mild or not. Who knows? But, I mean, it just goes to show that, like, emotions can run high when it comes to yeah. getting in the playoffs or doing sure. well in the playoffs or anything like that. But, like, what you take offense with, you're like, that person disparaged my team. Like, if your team disparages another team, there's no problem, right? Right, right, for sure. The same thing is not viewed through similar lenses. That's great. Astra G says, I think we've done well to not ride the lows of recent slumps too much, but it's also important not to fall prisoner to positive moments as well. The last couple of games were a sight for sore eyes. But did they teach us anything we didn't already know this team was capable of doing? I'm excited to watch them prove it when it really counts. She sounds like you, Greg. Astra <laughs> G sounds like she's been listening to Power Lunch and listening well, very we, carefully to what you say. Is, we appreciate that. Yeah. You, she I, even used prisoner. She didn't say prisoner of the moment, but she basically yeah. said that, right? Yeah. I, I I hope people who listen here know that you know we try to be measured with the evaluation of this team. And if you've listened long enough, and I think a lot of these these fans have, I mean, we've pointed out some flaws that I, I think in many ways, I, I don't know if they've been answered completely, but I, I think it's something to keep an eye on heading into the playoffs. The, the notion, though, that maybe the Lightning won't be ready to go or that the intensity won't be there come playoff time, I don't buy that. What I have said, Dave... And I I think it's fair pointing out is that if you were to critique this Lightning team this year heading into the playoffs, where I would look to to see if it ends up being an Achilles heel in this playoff series would be, what are they getting with their depth scoring? And listen, that was answered in many ways by Julian Breezewa trying to go out and address the bottom six depth. So I think we were aligned with his thinking. He wanted to improve that part. I don't know if that's been completely addressed. I've said I think they may be a little more top-heavy this year than in previous years. I think that's a fair critique, if you want to call it that. And I also think, too, you know, the back end has just been... I think at times a work in progress with partners who are playing with one another because of the void that was left behind with McDonough mm-hmm. and Ruta gone. I, I don't know. I, I, I think those are fair. It, it doesn't mean we don't think the Lightning can't have a deep run on the playoffs. It's just I think they may have to do it a little differently this year. And I think that's fair. And we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, I, I think... We believe they're going to be ready to go from game one. Now, how that looks, how they win games, we'll find out. The Maple Leafs also will be ready to go. Yeah. The Maple Leafs have been waiting for game one of the playoffs since game one of the regular season. Correct. It's going to be a hell of a series. I mean, honestly, uh, people can talk about matchups all they want, and that's fine. 
Um, Toronto, Tampa Bay has got basically everything you'd want in a first-round matchup. Really, Dave, in any matchup. I mean, it's a lot of skill. There's history, not only with Toronto, but with Tampa Bay, let's face it. What they've done as a franchise. <laughs> We've talked about it. We just honored a bunch of them uh, you know, a week ago. But uh, there's Hall of Famers. There's dynamic players. There's... A fan base who is rabid that will go after Chris Kren. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's got a little bit of everything, and it's that's that's going to be a lot of fun to cover once again. And I'm glad we're going to be there for it. We can't look too far ahead, although we can't probably. No, still seven Washington. games left. I know, including Washington one against tonight. Toronto. Yeah, you're right. That'll be interesting. Got to get through tonight. Pregame skate show yeah. at six. You and Phil, they got the call at 7. I'll be down there with the pregame skate uh, or with the network pregame at 6.30. By the way, Steve yeah. pointed out to me before we got on the air for the show, he said, make sure you, you mention this. So I'll mention it now as well as yeah. on the broadcast tonight. Lightning are not in a position to clinch tonight no matter right. what. Their what is magic four? number is, that, is, is four, four points. Four points. Okay. Panthers are also playing at Montreal. Yeah. But Buffalo is basically the max number of points – for the Panthers is the same as the max number of points for Buffalo, and Buffalo does not play tonight. Got you. So there is a very intriguing matchup, which I know you're going to have your eye on, Pittsburgh and Nashville. You might say, well, yeah. why is that intriguing? Well, Pittsburgh is clinging to the second clinging. wild card spot, and Nashville is in a position, even with all their moves, and they've had yeah. some bad losses since the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. They won in Boston, which was an emotional win given what has happened in Nashville in yeah. the last few days. And they actually have their their own fate in their own hands. In other words, they have two games in hand on Winnipeg, mm -hmm. the second wildcard team, and they're behind by three points. Right. So if they win out, not easily done, if they win out, they're in. That's a very interesting matchup tonight. It is. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Yeah. Down at the arena for sure. And then we'll be back at it tomorrow, partner. Recapping. We will. All right. Great job. We'll talk to uh, you guys uh, tomorrow in this setting. Thanks, Steve Ersnick. Thanks, Paul Kennedy. We always appreciate him. I'm Greg Linelli. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, for another edition of Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.